You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting as Eligible. Uh, we just lost to the Vikings and have the Rams coming up and lots of people are hurt. And uh, uh, not sure how this is going to go and the Packers need a bye week desperately but aren't going to get one for at least a few weeks here. Um, it, this is, uh, of course, your host, Paul Noonan. I write for Acme Packing Company, Shepard Express. Um, JR is not with us today because he is driving to visit his family in Bourbon Country. Uh, which, as Jerry will tell you, is the best part of visiting his family, that it is in bourbon country. Um, and Matt is unfortunately under the weather, can't talk. Uh, so, uh, subbing, for, subbing for both uh, in his own little bourbon country, based on what he just showed me. Um, That's right. It's it's Evan Tex Western, managing editor of Acme Packing Company. Um, I, yes, you're entirely correct that I have my own little bourbon country here at home. <laughs> what do, What do you have there, by the way? Uh, this is an Elijah Craig uh, single barrel pick from the state of Ohio. So Ohio is a very tightly controlled liquor control state. And the only things that you can get in liquor stores are things that the state specifically orders and stocks. Um, but they often do a pretty good job of finding some single barrel uh, selections from a variety of distilleries. And this is one of them that I picked up uh, this summer from Elijah Craig. That's that's cool. That's nice. I actually used to do liquor law back in the day, and uh, nice. yeah, Ohio is big pain. Um, for for the, mm-hmm. for, the, for those not versed in it, by the way, every state, because of the repeal of prohibition, constitutional amendment, has their own liquor law. It's actually against the constitution. It's unconstitutional for there to be federal liquor laws. Um, that uh, that's why every state is so weird. That's why Ohio and Pennsylvania have state stores, and Wisconsin is you know anything goes all the time. So um, it's a uh, it makes for a, a fun melange, and uh, I'm glad you get good stuff there. At least that's good. I also I do yeah. think I do think bourbon is sort of the unofficial now um, hard liquor of Thanksgiving. It it goes it's a it's sort of a brown heavy one. It goes nicely with the rest of the sort of theme there. So yeah, very very topical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can you can make old fashions. You can do Manhattans, depending on what you're trying to pair that with. Um, you can put it in cider or coffee or or whatever. So it's it's a very versatile spirit. That it is goes good with the the uh, Appleton Coffee Company uh, bourbon air, bur- bourbon aged coffee. By the way, too good for that. All right. So uh, b- before we get into the games, really quick promo. Um, we do this every year at Acme Packing Company. We we uh, we draft Thanksgiving foods. We do not draft turkey because everybody hates turkey, as far as I can tell. Um, <laughs> it is hard to find a t- turkey enthusiast out there. They don't 
really seem to exist. But nobody loves turkey. Yeah. Everybody kind of tolerates and accepts turkey. It's That's... it's also it's very low ceiling, low floor. Like it's easy to screw turkey up. It's easy to make bad turkey. And if you make good turkey, it's whatever. I mean, you made good turkey. Well done, I guess. Um, but Thanksgiving sides are excellent, just across the board, and yep. we don't have them that much. So um, we, we did that. I got the number one pick, and I drafted what is by far the best Thanksgiving food, which is uh, sausage stuffing, which we should just have all the time. It, yep. should, it should replace French fries at uh, fast food restaurants. It should always be freely available. So uh, keep an eye on that. It's always fun. Um, it gets very silly. Um, I, where did you draft? I forget. I drafted a third. And, um, oh, that's Chris right. Was, Chris was number two and, and took mashed potatoes <laughs> with the second pick, which left mac and cheese mac and there cheese for there. me in the uh. third, third selection. But we had a little bit of drama around uh, beverage choices. Matt. Um, Matt wanted to draft all beer, all varieties, all types of beer. And uh, we, we, we almost had a riot. So um, <laughs> we, we, we forced him to either rescind that pick and select a particular style of beer uh, that was a little more... Um, a little, a little more specific, uh, and he ended up just punting the pick and going with Brussels sprouts instead. <laughs> Which I do feel like was a big downgrade. He could have picked. Yeah, Matt likes specific types of beer. I don't know why he didn't go that route. I would have. And, and that's what I actually ended up doing in the second round. What came around to me is I selected all stouts. So a, a versatile uh, style of beer. You can you can get your milk stout for dessert you can do bourbon barrel aged stouts imperial stouts for, for the heavy uh in meal you know mid-meal yeah beverage so i was pretty happy with that selection chris was kind of the gift that kept on giving because he did miss mac and cheese and then he went with bourbon old fashions which you know we, we are wisconsin themed and just left brandy sitting there for me so appreciate yep. that too thanks chris shout out to chris <laughs> for uh not picking anything that i wanted directly in front of me <laughs> like most fantasy drafts happen happen so um, also wanted to mention before we get going, if you guys missed it last week, I was actually on ESPN on Sports Center of all things, um, <laughs> with Michelle Steele talking about the uh, the Packers' latest stock offering and how um, it, it it always gets criticized for being uh, not real stock, like the kind of, you can't make a profit off of it, you can't wait for it to go up in value and sell it, you don't get dividends. But the reason that none of that happens is actually because of the corporate structure that exists in Green Bay. And all of those things not being allowed makes it functionally impossible to actually ever move the team out of Green Bay, but still allows them to raise revenue and have a competitive team, and that's all good. So uh, basically just explaining that a little more. And uh, it was it was fun and cool to be on ESPN. And if you would have told 16-year-old me that I would be on SportsCenter someday, I would have been like the happiest person in the world. So um <laughs> That was, yeah, we that do. Was cool. We do have the the video posted on Acme Packing Company, so check that out. And uh, yeah, I just I, I, I want to give you a shout out again for uh, making the point on SportsCenter that or, corporations don't have to be organized with the sole purpose or the primary purpose of making money for their shareholders. So uh, I think that's something that people just kind of forget about uh, when it comes to just general corporate organizations. And especially when it comes to sports media and anything involving money in sports, people kind of just overlook that fact that you can, you can have a different purpose. Yeah. It's a weird subgenre of sports coverage that like focuses on how profitable or how high of ratings teams have. And like, who cares? Like what? <laughs> There's no reason to care about that. Like you, you're rooting for your team to win a championship and that, 
frankly doesn't matter. It it happens far. I mean, I'm guilty of it plenty on the baseball podcast, especially because baseball front office is a lot of what people talk about, and we do talk about it too much. It it, it does not really matter as long as you win games. The one other thing I would just say is you had a very a great little piece of vague shade at Darren Ravel, so hats <laughs> off to you on that one. That was that was excellent. I I can't. So I I've heard maybe from you even I don't know. I've heard that Darren Ravel is actually sort of um, legitimately interested in what he covers and just kind of a weird guy. And so that more yeah. power to him is both a dig and a. Yeah, you are a weirdo, but at least you're a legitimate weirdo. Um, but yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be interested in that. Like, Darren, Darren <laughs> Ravel should not exist. Like, uh, if he does exist, it should be like a Forbes thing where you're covering what valuations there are out there and trying to dig in. That other, other uh, this has gone on far too long. But the other thing that bothers me is it is always a very pro ownership uh, reporting yes. tact when people report on the business of football, and it's viewed as very much like profits are good and growth is good like whenever they sign a new deal with a new sponsor or get new tv money or renegotiate those contracts so it's like it's a record deal it's a a billion dollars um and uh, you know whatever all fine and good not uninteresting but again not not a sport story like it, it it doesn't actually change what happens on the field at all because the player's share is set in stone in football it's a percentage of what they take in and yeah they'll see some amount more of that but it's really just owners getting a bunch more money so whatever darren revell kind of sucks that he has to exist to do that anyway we should talk about actual football because let's do it that's too much business uh <laughs> so 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 the vikings game i i've now rewatched twice and i do feel like this one is almost one you can kind of throw out um it was uh a lot of random garbage happened in this game that made it not really indicative of anything pro or con. So I've kind of come to, to terms with it as being just one of those things, <laughs> but still some annoying things happened. Yeah. I think the the thing that stuck with me most was this week, football outsiders uh, just, they always kind of break down uh, which games had went, went opposite of the way that the, their metrics would suggest. And I think they said based on the underlying metrics in the game, they would expect the Packers to win that game played that way on a per play basis, like 94% of the time. Yes. Um, and so from, from that perspective, it's absolutely just one of those weird outliers. Um, one of those where the Packers one score game luck finally just, you know, flips the other way and a little bit of regression. Um, and I'm, I'm with you. I, I, any number of plays go a little bit differently um, on that last drive or, you know, anywhere along the game. And, and it's a different story. Yeah. Um, it just so many weird, unpredictable things. The Vikings, um, uh, the, the Packers weren't totally one-sided here. They got, they, they got a couple of breaks, but for the most part, it was like crushing penalties, taking away turnovers. Uh, the Packers just dropping interceptions. Uh, uh, frankly, a lot of ill-timed penalties. The penalty um, balance was very out of, out of skew on this game and definitely benefited the Vikings to a large amount. And that's just pure randomness. That's just your officiating crew being weirdos for the week. Um, and injury luck at the Packers too. Um, so it was kind of the trifecta of big screws that you can't control. Um, but uh, they still could have done things to win the game. Like uh, I think one of the things that bothered me most about this game and um, the original decision, not so much, but starting Kevin King um, has been playing better. 
and so we should give him credit for playing better recently, but just started getting torched immediately and clearly was a target. It, it was like a flashback to the Tampa Bay game um, to, yeah. when they started doing that. And eventually they did bring in Rezal Douglas, who wasn't that much better. But uh, King was a problem for the first time in a while here. Um, and not good to see going forward because it's not like JR is imminently coming back. So um, I think maybe the Vikings put something on tape here that other teams can use. Yeah, I think it was interesting that even though King got the start for the second straight game, Rasul Douglas basically outsnapped him two to one. Um, I have to think that some of that is, um, you know, acknowledging that he was not performing well in this game, but that was also the case last week. And I still think they're probably trying to keep him on a, a rep count. Um, maybe that that shoulder just it, it's enough for it's good enough for him to play, um, not good enough for him to play 100 percent of the snaps at a high level. So I do think that that's that's probably still limiting him somewhat just based on the playing time numbers we saw. Yeah, that that is a good point. Um, I also I think they could do a better job with him situationally because he still can be useful yeah. like around the goal line and he, red zone out yep. out exposed on an island is not the place to have Kevin King out there like. If you if you're going to play snap count games, there's a there's a time and a place for that. Like, uh, especially with the fact that you have Douglas and Stokes that you can have out there in the middle of the field. So, um, but uh, I, I don't know that they think that way about corner. I suspect they don't. It, it would be a, it's a weird niche that we have here. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that was no good. Um, that was bad. I definitely think Gary not being out there hurt them quite a bit. Um, Preston did a good job. They did get some pass rush on Cousins. Um, one of the other weird things about this game actually was Cousins was great under pressure. Um, yeah. Numbers wise, Cousins was great under pressure. He actually made a couple of terrible throws under pressure, but they they actually worked out. Um, when Justin Jefferson had, I think, like a a forty yard play on one of the worst ducks you'll ever see from Kirk Cousins that just floated up in the air, but nobody was around, so it worked and seemed to just happen over and over again. Well, whenever they did manage to get pressure on him, which was also a bummer. Um, hate Kirk succeeding. He is annoying. Yeah, they, I mean, one of the other plays that comes to mind is that first play of the uh, right after Rogers hits MBS to tie the game, <laughs> where he lofts lofts just an awful this you know awful duck up to to Savage, and that's the one that that he picks and gets overturned because he doesn't maintain possession through the ground. Um, and the, yeah, that that should have finally been the nail in the coffin where yeah. he finally makes a big crushing mistake under pressure and. Uh, yeah, Savage not holding on to that ball lets them get away with it and then it drive down for the winning field goal. Yeah, he was so close on that too. Savage did not yep. have good hands in this game. I don't I don't feel like he is a huge dropper of interceptions normally, um, but I don't know. Just a- he's also, I think John Meerdink mentioned it, that he's had really bad luck with that this year. So he had that one overturned and now he's had at least two um, interceptions that he did bring in canceled out by roughing oh, the by passer, roughing penalties. The passer penalties. Yes, indeed. The one on Zadarius in week one against the Saints. Um, not that, that that one probably would have changed the trajectory of that game, but uh, this one with with Kingsley Kiki and, and Lafleur even said that you know that wasn't a bad call. Kiki's got to bring his target zone yep. down um, away from Cousins' head. So um, yeah, just just some bad luck there, and just an un, very unfortunate um, you know bobble and and with with not being able to maintain possession through the ground yeah i also think maybe the biggest epa play of the game was the pass interference penalty he committed um yeah. on jefferson because he should have intercepted that pass it was just a duck floating up there and just a, a lack of body control and just sort of crashing into him and committing the penalty basically turned a turnover into a 37 yard gain so 
Um, not not a great Savage game. No, not a, not good. But uh, I also felt like the other than I mean Justin Jefferson was insane, but they didn't get really run over by Dalvin Cook. He had pedestrian yep. numbers on the day. Um, Adam Thielen was like he was sort of his normal good self, which is not great. Like te- he was like ten yards a catch, a nice veteran savvy converting some first downs, but didn't kill them. Um, it it really did come down to just a few big plays that Jefferson made that yep. frankly could have gone the other way. Like Eric Stokes could have caught an interception too, or he like ran the route for Jefferson and just didn't get his hands around in time or something. And um, they were a few plays away from actually, I think having a pretty good defensive performance in this game. And it just got away from them on, on a few uh, like high, high profile, big EPA plays. And um, that did it for him. Yeah. And, and uh, again, fumble luck kind of comes to that's true to too. with, yeah. uh, with, you know, Preston getting that sack strip on cousins and uh, an offensive lineman uh, being right there to, to fall on the football. Yep. Um, otherwise that's a, you know, that's a big uh, game changing play as well. Yes, indeed. And the offense almost came all the way back uh, the Packer offense yeah. played, especially in the second half, very well. Um, first half, not so much. I, I know I, in the rundown, since Matt's not here, I, I did want to mention um, that sometimes when Rogers is hurt and gets some medication at halftime, he comes out and, <laughs> blows the doors off things after that and that may have happened in this game because um he looked out of sorts either because of the toe or because of not practicing um he he missed mvs a ton of times in the first half was not sharp and when he came back out out of halftime he was essentially perfect for the rest of the game so um just they got behind a little too much and uh couldn't convert I also I do want to mention mvs uh his stat line looks good because he caught a 75 yard touchdown which is great it's also it's always awesome to catch seventy five year touchdowns, but he was garbage outside of that. Um, not his fault entirely because Aaron was not sharp in targeting him, but uh, he he had a other than the one big one he was three ca- three catches on nine targets for forty nine yeah. yards I think. So um, they do they could stand to get more production from the other receivers as usual. Although I wonder if maybe they get that from Equinemius, who they were creative yeah. with for the first time like ever <laughs> certainly all you were you were reading my mind i mean on his three touches he had over 50 yards um and a couple of those were some you know i, I, I think at least one of them was a, a nice deep crosser um getting him on the jet sweeps they they seem to like to do that with him once or twice a game when he's active and um he's got the straight ahead speed and you know it seems like he he runs well and sets up his blocks reasonably well in that role um, so I, I still believe I still believe in EQ <laughs> that he can be a, a productive member of this offense, um, and and I'm I always get a little excited when I see him making plays. He he's a unique athlete on the team and in the in yep. the wide receiver core. Like MVS has great straight line speed, but he's not a strong guy. He's not going to be like an over the middle guy. He's going to die if he ever does that. And Adams is not a huge burner, um, and Alan Lazard is you know a huge monster fullback out playing wide receiver but he's not fast um Equinemius is a freak athlete and I think doing uh he I think his big problem is he's actually just not that experienced at football still from from his college days and having this role for him seems like a natural fit like this is what the 49ers use Debo Samuel for he doesn't run normal receiver routes he runs he runs routes to get him moving forward with the ball and this is perfect for him and not that he's shaped like Debo because nobody is but um, it's a good thing for an all-around athlete to do. I'm surprised they haven't tried it earlier. Yeah, and I do wonder if 
if he gets some more opportunities, if whatever Lazard's issue, you know, kind of keeps him out for, for another week or two, um, that could be a role where, where they, you know, they, he's got, he's not quite as big as Lazard, obviously, but they're both about six foot five. Um, he could play a little bit of that blocking role. Um, and he's, yeah, he's just a little, a little shiftier. And we've seen them give Lazard some of those jet sweeps as well in the past, uh, which, which is an interesting choice given some of the other options that they have. So um, yeah, I, I feel like maybe Lazard's absence was uh, part of the contributing factor for why, why EQ got in, uh, in the action a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do you think the played well or not? Um, I, I'm, I'm With... torn on this. So I'm interested to hear what you think. He had he had the couple of flash plays that are going to stand out. I mean, obviously he had the touchdown. He had the um, the 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 send you home to the locker room block on Everson Griffin. He did. That was uh, awesome. Rem, reminiscent of of uh, Big the, Bob the, the on, block, on yeah. Bosa. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I didn't really see a whole lot from him. Uh, yeah, uh, that was sort of mine. I think he flashed a couple of times, but generally still didn't play great and did not get great push and uh yep. did not run great routes in fact even his touchdown uh, i mean that play took six seconds to develop and he, he still wasn't that open on it it was yep. it was a great throw from aaron so I, I i did think the other thing that was interesting on on the play time again is um which i always write up the snap counts every monday morning um so i i dig into the the snap counts a little bit but the Packers use tight ends less than I think in any other game this season against the Vikings. Yep. And some of that was down, being down, you know, a couple scores uh, in the second quarter, the third quarter. So they had to go to some more four wide stuff, but even so um, Deguara led the team in or led the tight end group in snaps. And it was only around 20 or 25 snaps, I think. Um, so they definitely kind of scaled back that, that position group, I yep. think, both based on game situation and um, you know, maybe some of it was matchups. Maybe some of it is, is still, you know, trying to figure out what the hell to do uh, <laughs> now that big Bob is, is out. So they're, they're still looking for answers at that, um, that kind of move receiving tight end position. And they still haven't really found it yet. Yeah. I, I think it's also worth mentioning that after a pretty strong start to the season, Mercedes Lewis has been kind of absent in the passing game. You know, he was getting his, yep. his cups of coffee every game is like two pretty productive catches. And, uh, as we've talked about on this podcast a few times, like asserting himself physically and bowling some people over too. And j- he hasn't been there. I wonder if it's just a, I'm an old man and it's late in the season kind of thing or, <laughs> or what, but um, it's odd to see him not take a more prominent role with Tanya not there. I know he's not fast or anything, but um, you know, people trust him and like him and uh, he what he is productive on trick plays. Yeah. And I don't think defenses are necessarily going to be keying on him. Certainly right? not. Like that, he's not a guy that you, you scheme to take away. Um, you might have um, a little more awareness of, of some of those leak plays, but you're certainly not going to uh, devote a whole lot of time to, to taking that guy away of the passing game. Yeah. All right. I suppose before we leave the Vikings, we should mention special mm. teams for the 80 billionth mm. time. The thing we never like to talk about, but end up talking about every time. So um, I think the game we play now is so Mason missed a field goal again, a short field goal. Um, there are clearly problems across the board on special teams. Yep. Do you think this is a Mason miss, a Wirtle miss, or a Bohorkis miss? My my best guess is that was a Mason miss. Um, it it gone it was gone straight for the the upright 
right off his foot and it it ran perfectly straight um there was no there was no weird wobble or anything uh, on that kick um yeah, I mean, it, the whole operation has been bad, obviously, for the last several yep. weeks. But um, it's this one wasn't obviously. There's no wind here to 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 affect it like there was in Green Bay last week. Um, it was just it was going straight off his foot. Looked like it was headed straight for the for the upright the whole way. Yeah, I think it was a Mason miss too. I actually think the last couple of weeks have been Mason misses. Um, yeah. And um, the reason I even asked is Wordle has some film on him of basically. Almost snapping it um, to the to the right of Corey Baharkas on a punt, and almost yeah. missing him and hitting the ground with it. So there's some suspicion there, but I think on the on the field goal it was a good snap. Uh, and yep. uh, th- this is a historically bad season for Mason. That he is uh, one of 34 kickers as of right now to hit under 66% of his field goals in the last 30 years. The last person to do it was Mason Crosby in 2012. Um, and uh, when you have a season this bad. It's not just because your kicker is having a bad season. It's because things are going wrong consistently across the board. And Mason's just having his turn right now. If this was a normal Mason season, I think this would be a little slump for him. And he would be, you know, 20, 25, 23 of 25, and we wouldn't bat an eye at it. But because there's so much other garbage going on, it, it cascades too. Like, when you are part of this, like, three-man operation... Um, you know, you start to think about, oh, do I have to like look at the laces myself and aim differently at the last <laughs> second? Do I have to wait a second to see that the timing's okay? It all cascades down to ruining the confidence of the operation. So, uh, yeah, I think they've been Mason botches, but I think the whole thing kind of feeds on itself too. It, at least the only thing I'm a little bit encouraged by is it seems like the protection has been a little bit better these last two weeks. Um, haven't seen any glaring issues there. So that's <laughs> that's the, the one really, really small silver lining that I feel like that's we true. can take there's, away there's from There's been it. nobody like flying through the middle at the last second, almost getting the ball. That's good. That's, yep. a, big, that's a plus. Um, but then again, we're only two weeks removed from the last block, which was in the Kansas City game. So it's, it's not like that's... Uh, <laughs> It's not like that's been a consistent uh, or consistently fixed for some yep. length of time at this point. Yeah, yeah. The Packers still 30th in DVOA on special teams, and um, if they end up bowing out in the playoffs unexpectedly, that'll probably be the reason why. Yep. All right. Um, so uh, I don't know that I've – the Vikings game was weird. I think we just chug it to weird. They have the Rams next, and they played the Rams last season in the playoffs – but it was very different than what they're getting this time. So, yep. Uh, and I think there's three major changes that are going to be very, very tough for them to deal with from last time. Uh, first and foremost, Matthew Stafford's like, I don't know, 10 times better than Jared Goff, uh, something along <laughs> those lines, which is the biggest upgrade you can get as a quarterback. So yep. um, that's a problem right there. DVOA-wise, he ranks right up there with Cousins. It's, that's this season is stupid. I hate saying that. Kirk Cousins is fourth in DVOA. He's like fourth in in Baldwin's stupid stat that I guess is called Dakota. Um, he's basically the fourth best quarterback in football by any stretch. Stafford's fifth, so you're getting essentially the same quality as last week. And um, that's going to be hard for them to deal with because they just had trouble stopping a guy of that caliber. But the biggest one, the biggest thing we didn't touch on um, in Minnesota we should have is they lost Allen Jenkins for the year, for multi- for more than the year, for a chunk of next yep. year. Like, whatever we're doing with David Bakhtiari right now, we'll be doing with Elton Jenkins next year. <laughs> and Yeah, the only, the only thing I can say with that is Bakhtiari has had some, I think, some MCL issues in the past, if I recall correctly. So 
my my only hope there is that maybe that is partially contributing to the length of his recovery and Jenkins to my knowledge has not really ever had any knee issues so maybe this being his first big one you know maybe that'll help his recovery time and it happened uh, a month and a half earlier in the season than Box did so maybe there's a chance he comes back for week one next year but like Bach, like let's not hold our breath at this point. Yep. And I think we were sort of thinking, okay, this is terrible, but maybe we get Bakhtiari back. He's been active for a while. And then news broke today that not only we're not getting him back, but he had arthroscopic knee surgery to clean up stuff from his knee surgery uh, and will be out an indeterminate amount of time more. <laughs> so they're down, <sighs> they're down three of their five starting linemen right now. Because um, Josh Myers is still out too and will be for the foreseeable future. Last year against the Rams, Elton Jenkins basically had the best game of anybody all season against Aaron Donald. Uh, completely shut him down, drew a penalty on him because he made him mad, um, and was basically brilliant. And now Aaron Donald is going to be going up against uh, uh, Lucas Patrick, uh, Runyon, Run- and John Newman Runyon, and the Royce same Newman. interior guys that we've been having issues with all season long. Yeah, and if that's uh, that's a scary prospect, um, just it's hard to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, well, and and it, it, we got to remember now, Donald is healthy too. He was not healthy in that that playoff game. Um, there was a lot of question about whether he was even going to play uh, leading up to the game. Um, that does not seem to be in question at this point. Um, so it could be a very long day for that interior of the offensive line once again. Mm-hmm. And Aaron is not good against interior pressure. Um, uh, there was, this is not a blitzing thing, but Aaron, by the way, ranks first against the blitz so far this year amongst quarterbacks by passer rating and 31st when blitzed. And um, I think a lot of that is interior pressure this year. Aaron Donald is going to be probably in his face all day. Um, not uh, not super jazzed about how this is going to go. I also think that this may be a bit of a revenge game for Jalen Ramsey, who didn't get embarrassed last year. Actually, played played pretty well, but has that one one yard touchdown to Devonte Adams, where he's yelling and screaming about it, and I think might stick in his craw a little bit. So that's not great. But the other thing is they didn't have Cooper Cup last year either, and yeah. uh, this year Cooper Cup's the best receiver in football. Um, so that's also a huge upgrade. Uh, it was Robert Woods and Josh Reynolds and uh, somebody else had a good game, but who cares because uh, that person's not going to play well this time. So Cooper Cup's awesome. He is one, first in DR by a, by like 100 yards over Justin Jefferson, who yeah. just tore the Packers a new one. Um, his DVOA is not is like top 10, not top 1, but it's good enough that he's super awesome. So um, they just got torn up by a very similar receiver. Justin Jefferson is not a giant physical presence. He is a great route runner. Cooper Cup is also a great route runner. And um, if this looks a lot like the Vikings game did offensively, I won't be that surprised about it. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. It's, okay. <laughs> uh, the, the, you, you summed it up. It's a. Uh, I think they're going to get smoked. Uh, do, do you see any way that they uh, that they can? The, the, what, what do you think their best chance is in this game? Just turn it into a shootout and hope you can outduel or 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 slow it down and try and control it. The Rams have been vulnerable to the run a little bit this year, and the Packers do go that route pretty often. Yeah, I, I think you're going to have to win the turnover battle by probably by two to to really put yourself in a position to to have a chance. And Stafford has um, 
maybe not to the extent that he has in past years, but he's gotten picked off a little bit and he hasn't been playing quite as well in the last handful of weeks as he was maybe in the first six or seven weeks of the season. So um, I, I think if, if you actually can convert a couple of those, uh, those plays, get a little bit of pass rush going, get him Mm -hmm. off his spot. um, And, and I think it's going to have to be the defense that makes a couple of big plays to to put the offense in good field position um, because I don't, I'm with you. I don't really trust the the offense to move the ball consistently uh, against the Rams right now. Yeah. Uh, I I do think they might lean on Dylan pretty heavily and, and -hmm. try and keep it uh, like, don't expose Aaron to big hits. Do try and see if you can do some damage power running and go that route. But um, I I think if this turns into a shootout, they're in bad shape. And if it, uh, if, if they get behind it all, it, uh, it's a dangerous spot for them to be in. Yeah. So, so back to Stafford in, you know, the first seven games, um, when, or first eight games, when the Rams went seven and one, um, he had four interceptions total. He's got four interceptions. The last two games come in total two each against Tennessee and San Francisco, um, and has been sacked seven times in those two games uh, against, again, seven sacks and four picks in eight games to, to start the season. So I think that's the that's the key. Get pressure on him and, um, you know, force some bad throws. And I think that's that's going to have to be the recipe yep. to, to get the offense into some advantageous situations. Yep. And hopefully the defense can rebound a little bit, too, um, with a, a little more rest and a week off and time to prepare. So. Although this is unfortunately the other thing, this, the Rams are coming off their bye, so the, yeah, the, this is really a tough spot for the Packers. It really is. Um, it's not. It is an NFC game. If they drop it, they are not in great shape for the one seed. But uh, there, there are also worse games to, to kind of punt on than this one. And I think they'll be able to finish strong after the bye. But uh, I do kind of wonder if they they pack up shop if they get behind too much in this one and just decide to go to the bye and fight out the rest. Won't be that surprised at all. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right. Shall, shall we do some questions? Let's do it. All right. Um, as always, if you um, hop over to the MKAE Tailgate Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash Tailgate. And uh, give us the bare minimum and become a patron at any level. Get question priority on this podcast and the MK Tailgate podcast about the Brewers, which have had surprisingly a lot to talk about lately because Corbin Burns won a Cy Young Award, which good, good, good job, 
good job, baseball writers. Um, I I didn't think you had it in you, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, anyway, you get a question priority. You get a question read for sure, no matter what it is. So do those guys first. Um, Mark Potsgarby asks, um, at what point do you consider replacing Mason Crosby with a different kicker? Um, and uh, I, don't, I really don't think Mason's the major problem here. So y- he's yeah. got to be way worse for way longer um, before you go that route. Um, Agreed entirely. It's it's going to have to be the operation is clean for several weeks and he's still missing kicks yeah. before um, that's time. But then again, um, I mean, I don't think you I don't think you make a change midseason, um, but I certainly would not be surprised. I think his contract is up at the end of this year. If not, maybe he's got one more year and and you can eat the, the little bit of dead money and, and cut him loose. I would not be surprised to see them make a change this offseason, though. I wouldn't either uh, just because he's getting up there. Actually, one of the biggest problems about this season is it's actually very hard to evaluate Mason Crosby because there are so many other mm-hmm. issues going on. If if he has like fallen off a bit to an unplayable level, it's hard to How tell. How do you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's its own problem too. Well, it's it's a I mean, we've we've ripped Mo Drayton a lot on this podcast, and this is one of the the front office problems you can cause through bad coaching is you put a lot of noise into your system when you're not getting things done in a disciplined style, and it it can cost you money and cost you seasons when your kicker is not good and you can't tell. So there's that. Uh, Mark also asked, is there a reason the Bears have seemingly replaced the Packers uh, as the Lions' Thanksgiving Day arrival? And uh, um, uh, the Packers have not been on Thanksgiving in a while. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm actually not sure. I, th- I assume it's just a quirk. I don't think there's too much rhyme or reason to what happens on Thanksgiving because you're locked into the Cowboys and, and Lions. Um, but yep. it, it's, I mean, the Packers are natural for the Lions. It is actually a little unusual that they haven't been there, especially because they are a high-profile team that you would like to get on. So, um, th- and you don't want the Bears. The Bears are boring. Nobody wants to watch the Bears. So I'm actually not sure well, about that. And and was the last Packers game on Thanksgiving actually that Bears game in 2015? Oh, I think I it rem- was. I don't remember them playing in Detroit. Part of it actually, it seems like the Packers have played in Detroit a lot in week 17 the last several years because they're the NFL is so focused on making, making sure that you get divisional matchups across the league in the last week of the season oh you're right and and it seems like most of the last several years have been green bay at detroit in week 17 for some reason yeah and um that might be as good of an answer as any because um in any given thanksgiving you're probably somewhat more likely to play a division game than a non-division game but if you take a bunch of division games with that philosophy out of the mix you're going to be playing a lot more um out of the division games and division games are going to be less likely. So that, that might be yeah. as simple as that. So that makes sense. It's also a little weird. They haven't played the Cowboys though. Honestly, um, they, yeah, they, they had a couple of games against Dallas in Dallas. In the regular yeah, that, season. That, that could have been on Thanksgiving. So um, the only other thing I can think of is again, there, those games rotate between NFC and AFC teams based on the, uh, the broadcast network oh, rules yeah. too. So maybe those didn't fall on years when, the Cowboys were hosting an NFC game. I'd have to, we'd have to look into that. Also possible. <laughs> All right. Uh, PJ Wessels asks, uh, no Jenkins, no Bach. Special teams are special. Rogers is hurt, not slash not recovered from COVID. Uh, it's the toe slash putzing. Yes, that too. Um, and the defense just gave up 34 to Kirk and company. Is there hope going forward or should we collect our playoffs banner and be satisfied? Uh, PJ, that's very depressing. And uh, I don't, you want to take this one first? 
Sure. Um, yeah, there's absolutely hope. Yeah, uh, there is. Jair, Jair can, can, could, could come back. Bakhtiari hopefully could come back after the bye or shortly after the bye. Um, there's still some glimmer of hope that, that we might get Z back late in the season as well. Yep. Um, so there, there are refor- reinforcements potentially on the way. And, um, you know, the, the, the Packers schedule coming down the stretch isn't that tough um you've got a baltimore team that who knows what the hell they're doing <laughs> um you know and then the, the browns are kind of a, a weird in a weird identity crisis too and then you get three division games uh after the bye so it's not it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that even if the packers lose to the rams this week that they come out after the bye and, and rip off five straight um end up finishing what would that put them 13 and four in this weird 17 game season that we have now yeah um which probably not good enough for the one seed um but certainly could be in you know in the two seed conversation which i think i'd I'd absolutely love to be you'd love to be the two seed if you if you possibly can because whoever's getting in as the number seven is not going to be a particularly good team very true Uh, so the other thing is like yeah it's bad jenkins is lost for the season but the packers are going to make the playoffs and there are still a ton of difference makers to get back like Bakhtiari fixes a lot of what Jenkins also fixed, and he will likely be back. And they activated him because they think he'll be back, even though he had arthroscopic surgery. You don't need him back right away. You're going to make the playoffs. You need him back for the playoffs. That's as soon as you need him back, and he probably will be. And this Vikings game didn't have a lot of people, but it didn't have Gary either. It didn't have Jared Alexander or Sean Gary or Zadarius on defense. If you get all of those guys back for the playoffs, the defense looks a lot different than it does right now. So, like, since they're in such good shape record-wise, and they are going to make the playoffs in some capacity, like, all they have to do to be the 2010 team is get back the difference makers before they play their first playoff game. And if they do that, uh, and, you know, they're 100%, they should be dynamite in the playoffs. So that's all that matters. And everything else is just kind of window dressing until then. Now, if if they lose, like... uh, Aaron's toe is a thing, I suppose. But whatever, like... Second half, he was fine. I think as long as he can power through, that's not a big issue, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's all you got to focus on. Like, they might not look great in fits and spurts while they're hurt, but as long as they get fully loaded before the, the games start to matter, it, that doesn't matter. So, all right. Uh, new, a new patron from last week, Flaley Joel Osmond. Um, <laughs> great, great username. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Um, running Jeopardy would have given Rodgers the means to maintain his celebrity status, whilst also appearing to be smart. A win-win. With that off the table, does his desire to stay in the, the limelight trump his pseudo-intellectual self-worth? If so, what is the lowest common denominator, most hospital waiting room grade game show he would stoop to hosting in three years? Tough one. I, I think I've got one, and okay. it would allow him to be extremely condescending to the contestants and it would be a reboot of the weakest link oh that's good yeah that's all that asks for and is it doesn't come with jeopardy's cachet at all like it's totally uh um a a much more in the the vein of millionaire which also might be a halfway decent answer actually um (laughs) yeah Yeah. i I think that's a great answer he would be so good he would be great on the weakest link um (laughs) uh, because he's he could be so condescending um, in the yep. same kind of way that she was. So lo- I, I, I kind of love that answer. Every other game show wants you to be 
except for Jeopardy in that, really wants you to be kind of fuzzy. Um, and uh, that's that's really not his game. There's tons of reality shows he could be on too, so let's not discount that. But uh, <laughs> but Weakest Link's a good call. I like it. Um, all right. And Jared Vogeltanz, how glad are all of you that the Packers are not playing on Thanksgiving this year? Also, who would have thought that by Thanksgiving weekend, the Badgers would be the football team that we feel better about in Wisconsin? <laughs> so uh, how do you feel about Thanksgiving, having the Packers on Thanksgiving generally? Generally, I, I've actually liked the one or two times that they've had the night game on Thanksgiving, because at that point, you've got all of your food in you. You're, you're able to just sit down with a drink, relax. The, the kitchen is clean um, and, and just take in the game. Um Otherwise, the, the late the mid afternoon slot is the is the bad one because that's right in the middle of dinner. Yep. Um, at least if you're preparing dinner with with that early time slot game, um, you can have it on while you're in the kitchen and and kind of see everything going on. Um, it's that that late time slot game, which I think this year is the Cowboys have the second game um, that that would be the the real rough one. But yeah, um, I'm not. Uh, there there's there's a family birthday that is on sunday this week i would actually be be happy if it were on thanksgiving just from that um so that that would be the only reason why i would actually prefer it this particular year yeah the night game i think is huge and you know still a fairly recent invention so Mm -hmm. it hasn't been around that long but that's a really fun one because they're in addition to it just being a night game which is fun you know, it's a holiday where people are free to do things, and a lot of people do things post-Thanksgiving after they've gotten home from their families. Um, that, that's a good time. But I, I agree with you. The, the worst one is definitely the afternoon game. Uh, the morning one, the 11 o'clock one, is usually pretty good. But it, that, that, that one during dinner, you can't really, in, in, with good manners, escape and watch it. You're, you, you, yep. you have to pull some, some strings. to actually, you, Your family's got to be completely on board or you got to be just willing to be a little rude. And it's, you know, a little awkward. So 100% um, with you on so, that one. Yeah. Second part of that question, though. Um, yeah, that's that's a <laughs> shocker. Um, I, I also did not expect a 17-year-old 240-pound running back to be, you know, running through everybody at this point in the season. So... <laughs> Props to you, Braylon Allen, for getting yep. us interested in this team again. Braylon, like running backs don't matter in, in professional football, but they matter a lot in college football. <laughs> yep. And Braylon Allen is incredible. His, a lot of his numbers stack up favorably to other legendary Wisconsin running backs uh, over their first, I think, nine games, is it? JT. Um, and he's phenomenal. And um, I, I didn't think this was possible with Mertz at quarterback. Just I'd written off the season completely. He, for his first like four or five games, was literally the worst quarterback in, in Division One college football. And uh, to get back to this point is really incredible. So, uh, uh, And wanted to give Jim Leonard a shout out for being yeah, no uh, a semifinalist for the uh, Broyles Award, which goes to the top assistant coach in college football. Yep. Um, certainly would be well-deserved if you were to, to earn that honor. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say I would... I would rather have Joe Barry than Jim Leonard at this point. Um, (laughs) I I would still have been very, very happy if Jimmy took the job. Um, Pleasantly surprised as, as I know you guys have discussed in past episodes about Joe Barry's uh, calling of the defense, although coming off that performance on Sunday, 
um, that kind of tempers that excitement a little bit. But true, yeah, J- Jimmy still certainly would have been my my first choice. But uh, happy to see him kicking ass and taking names. For Absolutely, defense for for one of my uh, for one of my teams and for my alma mater. Yep, and Jimmy's great and will continue to be great. I think for as long as he yep. coaches. And oh, like I'll even go to bad for Joe Barry a little bit on the Minnesota game. I don't think he called that bad of a game in the grand scheme of things. I think Minnesota there were a lot of coverage busts and yeah. just mistakes by the players on the field. The players, yeah. players have to go to the right spots and have to make plays, yep. and they were in position to make plays a lot of the time in that game and just didn't execute. So pressure got home. Uh, Campbell had a couple of big hits uh, on on the quarterback, and and like you said earlier, Cousins was weirdly good under pressure or got fortunate under pressure that uh, he was able to be productive yep all right so i told matt we forgot discord we did not forget discord questions last week Uh, i could not log into discord last week so i told matt we do discord before twitter so uh, um thank you for all the patreon questions usual on to discord which has funny names and silly questions um first we have uh loco pabs what happens first packers lost at home or packers clinch the division um I, I think it's lost at home because they're playing the Rams. They're playing at home the Rams at home, so they're gonna. Yeah, it, that's yeah. that's correct. So that's an easy question. That's um, I think that's the only game they lose at home the rest of the way. I think got so the too. Bear, the Bears, the Browns, and the Vikings um, are the the three home games after the bye. Yep. If they're gonna lose one, they're gonna lose on Sunday yeah, to the so, Rams. So if they win this game, the answer is the division. But the they're, division, they're, yeah. they're they're gonna lose this game. So <laughs> that's the answer. I don't even know what the spread is yet, but um, I. I I guess maybe the Packers are favored by like a point or maybe I it's think, even a pickup. I believe I saw the Packers were favored by a point last time I checked, okay. which just frankly seems silly, um, but whatever. Um. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> a straight up pick. Yeah. Yep. All right. A couple from last week that we missed, but are still appropriate. So Mick Schlubbin, also a good Discord name. Uh, I missed the deadline for this week's show previewing the Vikings game, but if this game comes down to a field goal, what team <laughs> would you have less faith in making it? And we have the answer to our question. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? Yeah, one team missed a field goal in this game. Yes, I, I would have. I, so it's an interesting question before the game took place because the Vikings have yeah. missed quite a few game-winning field goals so far this year. Um, they have definitely suffered some one-score luck, and the field goal kicker has been part of that. But I still think I would have taken. Uh, I have more confidence in the Vikings kicker this year than Mason this year, based on Mason being pretty terrible. So. Well, and because all the other pieces of the operation have been messed up in yep. Green Bay too, you could you could have a bad snap, you could have a bad hold, you could have bad protection. I mean, any number of things could go wrong rather than just the kicker mishitting a ball. Yep, indeed. All right, this one from Kastner, kind of on the Packers business structure, um, and uh, I'll read the whole thing and then kind of summarize. Regarding Paul's Twitter thread and articles on Packers stock sale and ownership structure, is there anything in place that realistically stops Murphy or a future team president from acting as an involved owner? Uh, and is there any reason to believe the executive committee or board would step in to stop Mark if he got too involved? Um, uh, uh, Want to go first? Because I, I can definitely take this one. I, I have a good answer for this one. I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just give my real, clo- real quick top line thought. I feel like Murphy has been very involved of late. Yes. Um, so the answer first, the first obvious answer is he does act like an owner yeah. um, a lot of the time. I, I, I think what you're getting at is what can stop Mark Murphy if he goes too far? Um, and the answer to that is first, the board of directors, um, yep. which is in charge of making sure that the president acts in a responsible fashion and in a way that keeps the team competitive, drives them forward. Um, but 
the other thing is they actually do answer to shareholders. And while the shareholding situation in Green Bay is is non-centralized, um, there are shares that have meaningful votes behind them. And there are uh, groups that have meaningful say in who ends up on the board. Just for people who maybe don't have a, a background in how corporations work and how corporate law works, um, shareholders vote to elect boards of directors. There's often a lot of horse trading that goes on in that scenario where you'll you'll loan your votes to certain votes for certain shareholders in exchange to get maybe a minority presence on the board. Um, it's very complicated. But Green Bay, while it is decentralized, does have meaningful vote makers amongst the shareholders. Um, and they do the same song and dance to elect the board of directors and have those elections, um, do the same kind of trading to get people on that they want and don't and block people they don't want. Um, and there's minority and majority factions on the board. And if Murphy went too far and the shareholder or the board of directors refused to do anything about it, the shareholders would vote off board members and vote on new ones who did what they wanted them to do. So there's still that hanging over them, even though it's a little more complicated to drum up a majority with the Packers than it is for a normal corporation. So there's your answer. Yep. All right. We'll do a couple Twitter guys and then we'll, we'll get out of here and uh, get on the road because it is, it's time to go see family soon. All right, um, Scott Hartle, my friend in Austria. Um, sh- should the Packers have thrown a Hail Mary before halftime? Um, odds of a TD are slim, but odds of an opponent TV must be even lower. Um, and also, is Jordan Love's best chance to contribute significantly this year to learn how to hold or long snap? Um, so, <laughs> so I think <laughs> they were. if you can't reach the end zone with a throw, you shouldn't do the Hail Mary, I think is... Yep. Is the bottom line, yeah. and it was it, it was at their own thirty-five yard line. Um, I think the longest one that I can remember that Rogers did was probably the Detroit one, which was like the Packers forty-five, maybe something like that. I think he can probably get it yeah. there, but uh, a lot has to go right to get it there from the thirty-five. Yeah. You're gonna have to buy a lot of time. You're gonna expose yep. him to hits, and with that toe, he's definitely gonna be losing a little bit of um, MPH on that throw too, and. If you, here's the thing, if you don't make the end zone, then the chances of a pick six far exceed the chances yep. of you scoring a touchdown. So uh, I think that the, the percentages are, are backwards on that and taking it, unless it's the last play of the game, don't do that. <laughs> yep. I, I do like the question about Jordan Love, though, and if he could learn to hold, <laughs> so that would be great. I was, uh, why don't backup quarterbacks hold? I don't know why that why it has become a punter's job from now uh, lately. Um, you've it, it obviously used to be the, the backup quarterback that did it all the time. Uh, Favre did it for even you know in some of his his first season as a starter in Green Bay, um, and you certainly would have more opportunity for um, you know crazy things right, and, like, and I, weird fakes. And I don't. Things. I know you're not going to be running fakes all the time, but your playbook yeah. expands drastically if your backup quarterback is the holder. Um, it, it, it just seems like a, a natural thing to do and yeah. certainly can't take that much practice time. Uh, I mean, it's like going out and shooting around for an hour a day. And maybe, I mean, apparently it's harder than it looks because we, we're bad at it, but um, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I think it should be a backup quarterback's job. And if, um, you know, if you, if you elevate a third stringer, it should definitely be his job. So yep. um, it, it's a good point. Jordan Love should do it and contribute something. <laughs> do that yep, agreed all right um uh, sorry i have my twitter um not 
not formatted properly. Okay. Uh, from Sam Klinder, uh, if one of them could come back fully healthy for the rest of the season, who do you want? Uh, Bakhtiari or Jair? Well, after after Jenkins got hurt, it's Bakhtiari, I think. Yeah. The way we've seen the, the corners play fairly well these last couple of weeks before, again, before Sunday. Um, yeah, there, there's no question anymore in light of, of Jenkins' injury to me. Yeah, I, 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 like I can make a case in my head for Jay Alexander. Like you lean on the defense to just pitch shutouts or whatever. But uh, you, you can't have Aaron getting killed back there. And yep. with, with the offensive line as it is, it's just too dangerous, so I think Bakhtiari too. And they've been good enough without Alexander. Like if they get Gary back, and if they get Zedarius back too, I think you can you can work with that. So that's fine. Yep. You can't work with Royce Newman and Lucas Patrick and John Runyon, and that's that's harder to work with. And and Yosh, um, Mercedes Lewis going to get a workout for the next few games, I suspect. Um, yeah. All right. Um, from Real Deal Cosplay. Um, after we watched the Packer defense get shredded. The rest of America got to see the Chiefs and Seahawks put up offensive duds. Is there a chance we overrated the defense based on quality of opponents that aren't actually as good as we thought? Um, I, I think kind of a good question because, um, you, mm. you know, the underlying analytics on the defense have not been great all year. So um, I think that's a, that's a maybe at least. Like we, we want to... I know we want to believe the defense is good, but there's there should be some lingering doubt that a yeah. lot of this is an artifact of the schedule that they've played. Yeah, I I will take issue a little bit with the the Chiefs one because immediately after they laid a laid an egg against the Packers, they went out and put up forty points and five hundred yards on the Raiders. Now the Raiders you know, don't have a particularly good defense either, but um, yeah, in a in a divisional game and and just absolutely dropped the hammer on on Las Vegas. Also, that game was brilliant. Like that, that was one of the best Chiefs offensive performances that you will yeah. see out there. It was really good. Um, let's see. We'll, we'll do a couple more. By the real quick though, defense fluctuates a lot, and this is a yes. a, a, a sabermetric principle of football. It's harder to predict, and that is mostly based on the quality of opponent that you face. So um, I think it's fair to say that the Packer defense is good, and they're play, going to play less well against good offenses. And those two things aren't inconsistent. It's just very hard to stop good offenses for any defense, no matter how good they are. Yeah, I do think that we will see some more good performances down the stretch. Um, we'll yep. see if, you know how they perform against the Rams this week. But again, Bears, Browns with with you know who know if Baker will play or you know that that Browns deep, Browns deep offense. Excuse me, the the running game is probably what you have to worry about more there. But you've got a game against the Bears. You got a game against the Lions, um, and and Baltimore is still kind of weird and strange, and who knows what's going on with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. So, I think there's a chance that you could see a couple more pretty good performances out of this defense again, um, specifically based on quality of opponent. Yep. And I, of course, am I'm hoping for Tyler Huntley in that Ravens game um, <laughs> for my, my own selfish purposes. So. Yep. All right. Uh, a couple more good questions this week, everybody. Nice work. Um, uh, from from Neil Olson, how, mu how much will Jenkins' injury affect the run game? Uh, it seems like the interior offensive line has been struggling for much of the year, and that might be one of the reasons that Matt LaFleur has leaned so pass-heavy. Um, and I think that's a good one. Yeah, I, I think if if you had been able to kick Jenkins back to the interior when Bakhtiari came back, that would have definitely been a big boost to the run game. Um, I think you're probably going to be 
more or less staying pat with what you've got now yeah with, uh, you know Nyman will, will be acceptable on the outside and honestly the the you know like Newman's biggest weakness has been dealing with stunts and guys coming across his face in pass protection um, he's been at least like mostly acceptable ish in the run game um, if anything some of us have been calling for you know the the team to run more gap stuff and and more gap in power than some of the, the outside, the outside zone that yeah. they've been working that hasn't been working as well. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's the biggest, the biggest impact is not having him to kick inside when Bakhtiari comes back does not improve your run game. Yep. Agreed. All right. Um, I think we will do one more and then call it a day um, from, Oh man. Uh, I apologize to everybody. The way I pasted Twitter into the rundown today just busted it up bad. So um, if I if I get anybody's name wrong on questions, I do apologize. Uh, this one from an unpronounceable string of letters, which is the other thing that I had to pause for. Uh, emergency uh, P, maybe? I don't know. Missing some vowels in there. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Equinemius with 21 snaps. Over, under at 25 for this week. What do you like? Oh... Um, I'll go under only because I have a, I, I think Lazard will probably play. I think you're right. Um, and so, I agree with you. Yeah. It's it, Lazard has such a unique role. It's not like you can just have a good game and then come in and replace him. He's going to be out there blocking in the run game, even if he's not catching a ton of passes. So I'll go under as well, though. I do think that he will get a fair number of snaps just to run the same kind of gadget plates he did this week, but yeah. not low, low to mid teens could, could still be possible even if Lazard plays, but yep. yeah, I don't think he hits 20. Indeed. Okay. Last one from Jeff Arnold, uh, Rogers to San Francisco for Trey Lance and a, a one uh, Trey Lance and a one for two first day picks. Oh, you see, he made it eh, whatever um, in the coming off season. Who says no? So it's Rogers for Lance and one or two first day picks. Yeah, I'd do it. I would do it too. Yep. Uh, so uh, I like Lance. I, I I think he I think he could be a will be a great quarterback in the Lafleur Shanahan type of offense. Um, I think his his ceiling is astronomical. I think his floor is also really really low. Yep. If you don't develop him, but um, given what we know about Rodgers um, and and everything this offseason, you know who knows what happens. Um, that that you know, if that could be a first round pick, also uh, this year, San Francisco, you know, probably picking in the top twelve ish. Yep. Um, so yeah, you give me, give me Lance, you know, a a, a a top twelve pick, and you know, maybe another day day two pick or something. Yep. yep. Or 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 a first in in twenty three. Yeah, I, I, I'd do it. I don't think they'll trade Lance, but um, if you want to make a bold move. You should go try and get Trey Lance out of San Francisco um, just because they fall out of love with players so quickly there. Mm. Um, and he is a high upside guy that needs to be developed. Um, he's the kind of guy who could like just burn a bridge with Kyle Shanahan with just a bad look or two in practice. Um, can, can we can we have them throw Brandon and Ayuk in while we're at it? <laughs> who is also um, seemingly on the outs there for whatever reason too. So yeah, he's um, had a little bit better games the last couple of weeks. And, yeah, and his target been getting playing time. His target but. share has gone up, but still not getting the best use out of him. So yeah, um, Kyle Shanahan is a great offensive mind, but he is a terrible GM. Um, and uh, 
and, and just lose pitch, lose pitch too quickly. Okay, last yeah. I forgot we have we have a, a fan favorite here. So one more question from our, our good friend Schlong Connery, um, one of the best Twitter names out there. Um, the best five offensive linemen without Elton. Um, and is the Vikings game what the defense looks like if the turnovers don't come or just a bad matchup with those wide receivers? Um, best best five. Best, best five minus Elton. I mean, it's it's Nyman. Runyon, Patrick, Turner at right tackle for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I think you could you could still make a case for Ben Braden. I would go with Royce Ben Newman Braden just based on the pass Newman. pro. I've always and liked Ben Braden just, better uh, than Royce Newman. Yeah. They did pr- uh, promote him from the the practice squad to the fifty three today as the matching move to to put Elton Jenkins on IR. So he will be on the fifty three. He'll be available. Um, I think you can at least make the case for for Braden over Newman. Yeah, I think Newman's your Don Barclay this year. Like, just don't if you if you can not have him out there, don't have him out there. Ben Braden yeah. played pretty well in preseason. I he moves well. I actually like him quite a bit. Um, as as for the defense, uh, like again, I, like I, it does. This is kind of what they look like if they don't get turnovers. But they also created situations that should have gotten them turnovers. So, yep. um, it's it's kind of a catch twenty two if you. You know, you got to convert on those when you when you cause them to happen with pressure, and they didn't. So yes, it is. Um, but they there have been Packer teams in the past that theoretically capers defenses that were built to rely on turnovers and just didn't even create situations that would get them turnovers. And that was not this game. They no. they had their chances. They had lots lots and lots of chances, and and just missed all of them. So um, yep. I, I still think the scheme is sound. They just need to actually catch the ball. Um, all right. That'll do it for us. Thank you for all the questions. Um, enjoy um, going. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're popping in the car to drive far away, like I am, uh, pop on the podcast. It'll make the drive shorter. Um, text anything to promote before we get out of here. Uh, again, just keep an eye out for the Thanksgiving draft. Uh, that's that should be out probably by the time this goes live or, or shortly thereafter. Um, and uh, just say I uh, hope Matub's feeling better. Yeah. Um, Sorry, you had to deal with me and, and no mentions of, of Madden or Fart McDuty or oh, anything. Way to get the drop in there. Now he'll be happy. I had to. You're welcome, Matt. You're welcome. Texted your bidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I got my Shepherd Express column out there. Go ahead and check that out. Um, go. To, I have my interview with Michelle Steele out there from the Outside the Line segment on ESPN. That's up on the uh, on Acme Packing Company. Um, I, I'm part of the draft, so I'll keep an eye out for that tomorrow. And if my family gives me some downtime, I will write up a statistical thing on um, Mason Crosby's kicking season because as of right now, it's really something special. So keep an eye out for that as well. Um, I, you know, also, I have this like half written. I wrote something about the, the shareholder version of the pro shop. And if you're not a shareholder, um, and uh, you should know, there's a special shareholder portion of the Packers pro shop with special shareholder merchandise. And it is as ridiculous as the regular pro shop and has a lot of nonsensical things in it. So if I can get that done, I, I will have that up as well. Um, I do have two pieces of shareholder merchandise. I have a beanie and I have a can koozie. <laughs> Good work. I, but that is the extent of it. Yeah. I have a baseball cap and it is fine. Most of their baseball caps are hideous. Uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of glitter in the shareholder mm-hmm. um, pro shop. It is uh, something special. Also, people leave reviews in the shareholder portion of the pro shop that are also amazing. So um, keep an eye for that as well. All right, thanks for joining us. Uh, Everybody enjoy the game and drive safely to your Thanksgiving.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.